0: Hi, church. Glad that you're here this weekend Um, in just a moment. Uh, Kate Matat is going to come and going to bring us the fifth message in the series. And then next week, I'll close out the series with the final message. Wanted to uh, do this personal introduction for two reasons. First, uh, this person is super important to me. This is my daughter, uh, my youngest daughter. And um, she has a teaching gift on her life. We have watched her develop that over the last few years and seen her use that in our women's ministry uh, amongst other different opportunities where she's taught. And I, at the uh, middle of last year, beginning of last year, somewhere around that time frame, started feeling in my heart that we needed to spend some time developing our younger people and uh, some of the women in our church and some of the giftings that helped to minister to our body so we were a little more uh, well-rounded, not only for today, but also looking towards the future. As I prayed about that and asked the Lord who those people should be, uh, on the younger ones, it, it sort of just came to me who we needed to hire, and which way we needed to go. That was easy. On coordinating um, some of the women that would come in to help us teach, I really just asked the Lord, rather than me going to people and just sort of, you know, asking and, and sort of doing it that way or opening it up and asking people to volunteer, I just said, hey, Father, why don't you put it in the hearts of anybody that's supposed to do this, have them speak to them about it so that it would just be a natural progression for us to be able to do this. And lo and behold, Katie was one of the people that actually came to me right during that time without knowing, and one of the people that I identified that had a real gift on her life. So, um, Kate works in our creative arts department. She's become part of our teaching team uh, at the beginning of this year. And what I've done is um, sort of let her develop at her own pace, she's got a tremendous anointing. You'll see that right off the bat. But I've let her develop at her own pace inside of our group. And then as I just felt like, okay, there, there's just no doubt. She's, she's ready to step into this. Um, I plotted, how, how can I do this in a way that, well, well, protects my daughter, along with allowing for the opportunity for you to see what's going on here so that you can embrace this. Church, uh, I'm not interested in ever shoving something down your throat. That's not how we operate or how we try to uh, follow Christ here. Uh, We do want to, though, lead into things that God's told us to lead into. So here's why I'm up here. Uh, I'm trying to get you to embrace the idea that we feel like God is doing this. But also, if you will get behind this at all of our campuses, you'll make another member of our team feel like, wow, they really want me to be here and they really want me to be a part of this. And here's what I know. When a person feels that from the audience that they're speaking to, it helps to pull things out of them as they teach rather than to feel like I've got to prove something to somebody. I don't think she has to prove anything to anybody. I think you'll see right off the bat what a true anointing she has in her life, and she's at a level where she's ready to do something like this, but I want you to do me a favor as your pastor, and because this is my gold right here, I want you to do me a favor, put your hands together, welcome, and let her know that we desire her to be a part of this team.
1: was I think he got the story a little confused and he begged me to be a part of the team because he just thought you are so amazing and so incredible at speaking we would be honored if you would come and that we could learn from how good you are at teaching so really I don't know how he forgot that part of it but I just thought I'd let everybody know set us all straight with the truth that he really wanted me up here so that's why I'm here um we're in a series called obey the first two weeks of the series we focused on the body and how to align that with what god wants for that the second two weeks we spent talking about the mind or the soul and last week i thought my dad just did a great job wrapping that up talking about just our emotions and how to control them and just like I just really got fed from that. I don't know if you did, but I just felt very, walked away just fed and just like, oh yeah, there's more to this than what I have imagined. So this week in the fifth week, we're going to jump into the spirit. So I volunteered to speak on this particular message because I thought I am more spiritual than all the other teachers on this team. So I will gladly do this one. But then quickly realized, as I was preparing for this, that I may not be as spiritual as I think, which I'm going to start off with a story. A few weeks ago was a Valentine's Day, and my husband and I, it's, it's the day that, you know, love-fiend people love each other. So he goes, what do you want for a gift? And I was like, nothing. I don't want anything. We just bought a house last year. I am totally good. We don't need anything. And I truly meant that. I wasn't one of those girls who said, oh, I don't want anything, and would have been mad if you wouldn't have got me anything. I didn't want anything. But he kept asking. So I said, How about we paint one of the rooms in our house? And we went to Home Depot, we got this really cool turquoise paint. I'm a detailed person, and JJ is not at all a detailed person, so I did the edging and he did the big painting. He finished much faster than I did, so he was waiting for me to finish. And a few months ago, he had gotten a little kitten named Maple. I thought cats are easy. Turns out they're not, and they're really crazy. And we didn't take any easy way out not getting a puppy. We just have a really crazy cat. So we put her away while we were painting because I knew no good would come of this. But the whole time we were doing it, she has this thing where she sticks her paws underneath the door of her room and goes, meow, 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 like for hours she will do this till we get her out. So she kept doing it, and I didn't feel bad at all for her, but JJ did, so he... I was like, I'm just going to get her out. And I said, no, don't do it. And he goes, no, it'll be totally fine. I said, promise me you'll hold her then. And he goes, totally. So he's holding her and he's like sitting in the doorway and I'm still doing the edging, taking forever. And all of a sudden I look down and Maple is not in his lap but has jumped directly into the paint tray (laughs) and decided she was going to paint the carpet of our brand new house carpet and ran all over. And we must be incredibly slow because it took us about a minute to grab her. So I looked down and there has to be 40, 50 just little paw prints of blue everywhere. And my first thought is to just cry and run out of the room. <laughs> so that is exactly what I did. I just go, ah! just ran out. I was so angry. And we don't, we rarely fight, but we definitely fought. And then I went back in and was like, you never take anything serious in life. Nothing. I was like, you said you would hold her. And he's like, I'm so sorry. I know. I'm like, your fault. Your fault. That's all I can think to say. And then God goes, yeah, you're really spiritual, aren't you? I go, Yikes. But I totally forgave him after I felt like I got, there was revenge, because then he had to give our kitten a shower, and she beat him up like I wanted to. So it was good. And I said, oh, we're good now. I totally forgive you. So as much as I feel like I am giving, I have gotten out of this message, and God is revealing to me in my own life. Um, I got to share my message with my cat yesterday because she was the one willing to listen before I came to church and she said it was really great. So I know God has really great things because my cat said so. So I just want to start off with prayer just to get us in in this to this. So Father... I thank you for everything you want to do today, God. I just ask that you would speak to each person in this room, Lord, that you would just reveal to our spirits, God, truths that you want to speak, Lord, and reveal lies that we have believed about ourselves, Father. God, I just ask that our ears would be open to what you want to do, Lord, and that each person, God, would walk away with revelation of from you, Lord. We just thank you so much in your name. Amen. So I'm just going to give you my conclusion right now of where I want to head with this message is talking about being obedient to what our spirit is calling us to. That's where I want to wrap this up and just really dive in. But before we can do that, there's a few things that I just want to set up for us and go through to explain that. So number one is you are made of three parts. You have a body, a soul, and a spirit. In 1 Thessalonians 5:23 it says may God himself the God of peace sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. So right there, Christ off the bat is talking to us and saying, we are to be, all of us, to be kept blameless. He desires just not one part of us or or our body or our soul, but he wants all of us and desires all of us and has created us in three parts. And they all work together and sometimes not. And there's this interaction that goes on on a daily basis between the three. And I think in a similar way, we have the thing called the Trinity. We have the Father, we have the Son, and we have the Holy Spirit. And those work together, and God has made us in his image. So as in the same, we have three parts to us as well. So the first part of us is that body. It touches the material world Through our five senses. So these are the things that we can smell or taste or feel. Or I thought, how great is it that God has given us eyes to see the beauty that he has created in this world? What a blessing that is. Sometimes I just walk outside and go, I feel like God created this for me and for just me to enjoy in this moment. And he has given us our eyes. We experience the world he has created through our body and through the five senses that we have. The second part of us is our soul. We have an imagination. This is the part that we dream when we're five years old, whether or not we want to be an astronaut or a princess, or it's the dreams that we have of what our children are going to do or the life that we're going to live. It's the things that we begin to dream about. It's the excitement that gives excitement. But on the other side, it's also a tool the enemy uses against us. It's the place where we begin to believe lies about who we are. It's the place that the devil can and trap us and convince us of things that are not necessarily truth but definitely seem like truth in our imagination. We have our conscience, it's our rights from wrongs. We all hold a moral standard, right? We all separate things into categories of this is right and this is wrong, and we do that day to day. Like, this is a good decision, this is a bad decision, this is something bad. Like, we can watch the d- news and we'll either agree with what they're saying or not because we all have our own conscience of like what we believe is right and what we believe is wrong. We also have our memory. It's the things that we can recall. What a great gift God has given us in our memory, allowing us to remember the first time we meet our spouse or the first time our our firstborn is born. And, And just watching these memories are from our own childhood. God has given us this great gift of memory. We also have reason, the things of why we do what we do. I'm going to take this job because it is more beneficial in the long run, or we're going to move into this house because it is going to be a better school for my children to go to. We have reason why we do what we do. We don't just do it for nothing. And then also we have our affection. It's our love. It's the way we feel about things. And often in our soul, I think we confuse heart with our spirit. But our heart, for the most part, it goes into the category of our soul because our heart can change, right? That's We talk about our heart often as our emotions, which is in your mind, really. So when it talks in the Bible about that. The heart ends up breaking down when you break it back down into the Greek and it's original form for the most part, it is it's talking about your soul. The third part of us is our spirit. And the spirit receives impression of outward and material things through the soul. The spirit, the spiritual faculties of the spirit are faith, hope reverence prayer and worship this is where christ resides in us when we ask him to when we say lord will you be our lord and will you be our savior he makes our spirit whole he makes it perfect we are in relationship in our spirit that's why christ only has to die one time because he makes our spirit whole and it it stays whole it doesn't change it doesn't you know it doesn't shift like the rest of us can constantly be changing but our spirit is made whole and experiences the world through those other things. It's, I live in a body, I have a mind, but I am a spirit. Those other things about us, like your physical body, those are attributes about who you are. They're descriptions of you or your mind. You're smart, you're funny, you're pretty. Happen to be all those things. But who I am is in my spirit. And when Christ looks at me, he's not looking at those other things. He's looking at my spirit. That's why he is so in love with me because he sees my spirit. A great way to explain it is your spirit is your captain. So who is seeing Captain Phillips? What? Yeah. Captain Phillips, okay, yeah. Okay, well, my husband and I do this thing every year where we go and we watch all the Oscar nominations, and then we vote on what, who's going to win. I won last year in our little bout that we had against each other. Just thought I'd let you all know. So we went last a few weeks ago, and we saw Captain Phillips, and we were watching him. And as the um, pirates are coming in and are about to take over the ship— Captain Phillips is up on the deck telling the other crew members what they need to be doing in those moments. So he is directing them. And while I was watching that, I thought that was weird that he wasn't helping. I would have helped. But anyway, as as the movie goes on further, you see that what he really is doing is more beneficial to be directing because there's a wisdom that he has that those other men do not have and there's experience that he has that those other men may not have. So what he is doing is more beneficial to be guiding them and to be leading them and in a similar way, your spirit guides you and your spirit leads you and it tells your body, hey, let's do this today or it tells your mind, hey, maybe you shouldn't think this thought. You know, it begins, to allow our, our mind to start thinking in a different way. And if, it, it's simply, though, learning to hear it. It's not that your spirit isn't speaking. It's not that your spirit isn't talking. It's learning to listen to what your spirit is saying. So we have a three parts to this. We have a soul, we have a body, and we have a spirit. But the second point I want to talk about today is this. Your spirit is in constant battle with your soul and body. The battle is fought in your mind and body and not in your spirit because as I said, your spirit is already made whole. The enemy, he cannot touch your spirit. He cannot get to it because it has already been claimed by Christ and Christ is in that. And in that, he cannot touch it. And for me, I found great hope in this because there are times I think in my life that I have said, I am a complete failure. All of me is no good and all of me is a wretch. But that isn't true because I have Christ in me and he lives in my spirit. So part of me is already made whole in who he is. And we, and when we accept him, he makes, our, he makes our spirit perfect. And Romans 7, 19, it says, for I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. When I was preparing for this message, I instantly like thought of this scripture in my head and i thought okay my spirit's made perfect how do i deal with that how do i say my spirit's perfect but i keep on doing things i don't want to do and often i've taken this and interpreted this as why even try why even try to live a life centered life focused on Christ. Why try to do that if it's just, I'm going to do the things I don't want to do. But if you go back in Romans 7 and you read what Paul is really talking about, he's talking about a life lived under the law. And he's saying by no means is it bad because it reveals to us what is right and what is wrong. And it reveals to us how sinful we really are. But the law was never intended to sustain us. And the law is never going to sustain us. If we choose to live in that, if we choose to live that way, we won't. Maybe we can do it for a day. Maybe we can do it for a week, you know, the thing that we struggle with. We might be able to stay away or stay back from doing for a while, but it is not sustainable. But we have been taught in the last few months of at Jubilee by Pastor John that when there is a therefore attached to a scripture like that, we should pay attention. So in Romans 8, 1 through 12-2, it says, therefore, There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life, listen, has set you free from the law of sin and death. Thank goodness for that. Thank goodness that when Christ died on the cross, he allowed a way for me to live under a a law that is written on my spirit so I don't have to live out here in an earthly sense. I can live focused on heaven and he is already speaking constantly to my spirit. Hey, this is what you should do. This is what you should do. And I don't have to live in, uh, in, in yes and no's and rights and wrongs. I can simply live in obedience to the spirit and we are able to have freedom and Live according to his good will when we do that. We live according to his will when we're obedient to our spirit. And I felt like when I was reading that scripture that there are people in this room that struggle with condemnation. And if that is you, that is not Christ will for your life. Now God convicts us sometimes and God reveals things to us sometimes that he may not want in our life, but it is never to condemn us. And sometimes we take conviction and we turn it into condemnation and we beat ourselves. We're gonna beat out the condemnation, like beat out what's bad in us and it ends up condemning us instead of focusing on what the spirit is telling us that, hey, there's life over here. We don't choose to focus on the life. We end up choosing to focus on death. And that is what condemnation is. It's I focus on the death instead of I focus on the life. We need to begin to focus on obedience and the life and the freedom that is in there. I think a great example of this is I was watching a documentary um, a few years ago, and it was about these women who had eating disorders. So this first woman was a workout I don't know if that's how you would say that. I don't struggle with that. But she worked out constantly and was obsessed with that. And so she had, like, this certain amount of protein that she ate every day and just all these different things that she did, and she was regimented about it. And then there was a second woman that struggled with bulimia, and they walked through, they, like, showed her life and just all these different things. And then there was this third woman, and she had anorexia. And she was probably no more than 85 pounds and was on the verge of dying. She was so sick and so malnourished that there was just nothing left in her, and she had to have a radical change happen in her life. So they're following her. This documentary crew is following her, and they're showing that she's like having, she's like on an eating plan. She has to eat a certain amount of calories, and she has to she has this family and friends support, and then she has to go and see a counselor that specializes in eating disorders. So while this woman is talking to the counselor, there's just no breakthrough that's happening. There's just it's just like hitting a wall, hitting a wall, hitting a wall. This girl just cannot seem to get past it. You know, she may be doing the motions of it, but she's not getting it. She's not getting it in her mind what she really needs to understand. So this counselor one day in their sessions goes, okay, we're going to try something new and rolls out this big, huge white sheet of paper and gives the girl um, a marker and says, I want you to draw the outline of how you really see your body. How do you think you look? Like, what size are you? So this girl draws this huge picture of herself like her waist had to have been this big and her arms this big and just it was just shocking how this young girl saw herself when she would look in the mirror that was what she was seeing so the counselor says okay lay down and I'm going to outline who what you really are and it it the what the girl had drawn was probably four times larger at least, than what this girl really was. And we can look at that and we can say, oh, wow, how could she do something like that? Like, how does someone get so deceived in the mind in thinking something about them that they're not? And God, when I was preparing this spoke and said, do you not do that in your own life? Is there not times where I have become so focused on my struggles and on things that I deal with that I look and I see attributes of who I am, but I do not see who I am, which is what Christ sees. So an example in my own personal life is I struggle with fear. I have since I was a little girl. When I was 10, I was convinced that I saw a man in the iron mask, which at that age I probably shouldn't have seen anyway. But I did, and they, like, they, they, like, replace, there's this, like, they're twins, and, like, the one twin, like, replaces them, and, like, you never know he's gone, so I was convinced that I had an evil twin somewhere in the world that was going to take my spot at night, like, they were going to take me out of my bed, and this new twin of mine was going to be in my bed, and my family would never know I was gone, and I'd spend the rest of my life alone, and that was my real concern at the age of 10, that my family would never know that I had been stolen from them, like, convinced of this, so i Sleep in my parents' room all the time, and now being married, I understand what an unfortunate thing that was for them. <laughs> and they're like, Are you sure you don't want to sleep in your room? No, I want to sleep here. Yeah. So I struggled with that. But as I got older, those fears became different. I now have these struggles of constantly worried about my health. For no reason at all. I am, I ha- I'm a healthy person, I eat healthy, and I do all these things, and yet I still worry, like, I'll get heartburn, and I'm convinced that I am close to having a heart attack, and, like, thinking, I may need to go to the hospital, and JJ constantly goes, I think you're okay, or, like, I have this weird thing now with my teeth that I'm just convinced they're just, like, bad, and they're just all going to, like, fall out, or I'm just going to fall on my face, and they're all going to, like, crack, like, I just have these weird fears in my life, but they become so real in my imagination like I can convince myself of things that are not true and so I begin to say oh I'm a really fearful person that is who I am and what I have done is what that girl in with the image had done is I look at myself and I convince myself of things that I am not when Christ is not looking at that in me right. he's not looking at those things he's looking at my spirit and who I am So we have a body and we have a soul and we have a spirit and we become aware that there's a fight and that there's a battle that's going on and waging inside of me each and every day. But what do you do? What do you do with this? okay? How do, you, how do I fight? I think more than anything else, sometimes we just want to know, how do I get out of it? I can be aware of it, but if we don't do anything about it, then it's of no use to be aware of it. So my point number three that I want to talk about today is this, turn your focus to Jesus. I know that sounds simple. I know that sounds so basic, like, wow, this is what you're giving us? Turn your focus to Jesus. But yes, that is what I'm saying today because it really is that simple. And sometimes in our own lives, we convince ourselves and we allow the devil to lie and to say things of, you have to do a bunch of stuff before you're set free, before you're able to get a pure and clean mind. You have to do this and this and you have to get the sin out. But really what it comes down to is if I just focus on him, he will begin to take care of these things in my life that I am struggling with so much. To do this in a personal and a practical way, God has given us this amazing gift called the Holy Spirit that he has put in us when we accept Christ. And when we do that, what we do is something like this, Spirit, lead me to Christ. Spirit, I may not know. If you don't know, if you've never had a conversation like that, it is that simple of going, Spirit, I have no clue where to start, but I want to focus on Jesus, so begin to show me how to do that. Begin, and he will begin speaking, and that feeds your spirit and fills your spirit up, and your spirit begins to come the forefront of your life and leading your life the way it was designed to do. There is one part of us that is in constant communication with Christ. We must choose. It is a choice to align our body and to align our soul with what the Spirit says. So when we begin to think lies, we go, no, 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 no. Spirit knows truth. It already knows who Christ is. It knows what Christ thinks about us. It's choosing to listen to what the Spirit knows and to what the Spirit says is truth. Our desire should be to worship Christ. In 1 Peter 2, 9, it says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We are called to declare the praises of our king. We are called to do that, and that is what he desires so much from us is to worship him, but here's what happens. I, a, a huge um, thing that I focus on on my life is mercy because I feel like sometimes I lack mercy, and it's not because I have a heart that is like that. I don't see, like that's not how I think, but sometimes I know I come across very like matter of fact, and it it is interpreted from other people's point of view as like, just like, get it together. For example, my husband and I a few weeks ago were talking and he was struggling and he was like, he was just he was talking about his birthday. And he was saying, I just don't feel like good enough, like to like have a bunch of people celebrate me. Like that's just so much attention for just me, and like I just feel bad about it. And here was my answer back to him is you're the most self-absorbed person I've ever met, then. That's what I said to him. And like that was me being like loving and like we love you and we want to celebrate you. And that was my way of saying that. And then I walked away and was like, that was not what I meant to say but I say things like that all the time trying to be loving and I apparently am not being very loving so what I have done is now I've become so aware of the fact that I'm just a matter of fact that I become focused on it so I'm like all right I'm only going to say nice things today and I'm only going to do that and I'm not going to share my opinion which ends up interpreting in my head like I can't say anything then. Like, I'm just going to be silent today. And then I end up talking. Because, like, I love talking. And I always think my opinions are great. <laughs> so then I become even worse. And then I become even more obsessed with this thought of, like, all right, I'm going to show mercy. And I'm going to, like, go out of my way. Like, and then people are weirded out by me being, like, how are you doing? Like, then it's just weird. And it's forced. And I become all these things. And I start doing this. I start becoming obsessed with myself and focused on myself. And it turns into something. Self- self-worship and I begin to worship myself on things that I want to make better about myself. I'm not trying to be like, oh, I'm so great. What I'm, I, I'm beating myself down, but I've become obsessed, and it's self-worship. But what are we called to do? It says that we may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness. I don't have to live like I'm in darkness because I'm not really in darkness. And if you're living that way, he has not called you to live in darkness, and you don't have to act like you're in darkness because step out of it. You're not living in darkness. And I know that, sometimes it feels like we are in a dark place. There have been moments in my life where I have just like, like it felt like as if I turned to my left or I turned to my right. No matter where I turned, it was all dark around me. But when I begin to worship my God and worship him and declare his praises, it's amazing how light begins to shine in those dark, dark places. It should not be, here, here's the thing, it should not be sentences like this. I am filling the blank for yourself. Fearful, merciless, merc, mercil, merciless, merciless, <laughs> my fourth message. <laughs> Anyway, it should not be that. It should not be selfish or angry or paranoid or I don't know what it is for you. I don't know what it looks like in your own life. But the thing that you become obsessed with and focus so self-focused on, here's what we need to do is we need to begin to replace those sentences with he is holy and he is patient and he is peaceful and merciful and fearless and everything that I begin to focus on myself I need to begin to focus on him and it's always the opposite of what I think I am It's always the opposite because that is who he is. And it's okay. It's okay that we want to fix our mind and we want to fix our body because we desire, right? We desire to have a life to to be made blameless before the king. It talked about that at the beginning of this message. We can desire that, but it first starts with the obedience of the spirit that is in us, the Christ that is in us. We must choose to align it. That is where we begin to become obedient. That is where truth begins to be spoken into our life. Because I believe, as I was preparing for this message, that if we really think about it, every sin comes down to simply not being obedient. If you are struggling with fear, in my spirit, I'm fearless. So I'm not being obedient to what my spirit is telling me, I'm not listening. If you are struggling with anger in your spirit, there's peace and there's self-control. We have the fruit of the Spirit in us, and I think it is time for us as a church to stop praying prayers like this, which I so often do. Of Lord, help me be self-control. Help me have self-control. Help me have mercy. Help me have those things. I need to stop praying like that because He has instructed us so many times. He says, "Greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world." Or after. Doing everything to stand. We stand because we have the things we need already put inside of us because we already have Him. We already have Him. So I think the three takeaways on how I want to just end this like, how can we implement in this day to day life for myself? How can I do this personally and practically? God just gave me this great example in my own life. On Valentine's Day, my husband did end up getting me flowers. And he, like, went around the garage and got the car out and then came around and rang the doorbell and gave me flowers. And it was like we were on a date. Aw, he's a really great guy. And he really is. But I just threw the flowers in a vase really quick. There were these beautiful red tulips. And gave them a little bit of water. And then we left because we had to go to dinner that night. So while that happened, I didn't really take care of them the way I needed to take care of them. So what ended up happening is over the next few days, they began to just, like, flop over. And in my head, here was my thought. Or actually, it wasn't just the thought. I said out loud, again, Whole Foods ripped me off. (laughs) So I am the person that always is aware of those things. But it's great because now I have a husband who can go and do those things because it mortifies me. So I was like, you need to go take them back to Whole Foods. But we were having company come over. And at this point, they were seriously all just like, flopped over and it was embarrassing. So my thought was, I'll just put them under the kitchen sink until he can return them. So now they're just getting no life whatsoever. They leave and then I like pull them back out and we were talking about these flowers because I'm just so mad about it. And all of a sudden I realized there's absolutely no water in them and I've given them really no attention. So I go, maybe I should just probably try to give them at least some sort of water to keep them alive till you go to Whole Foods and show them. So I give them water, and like within 30 minutes, one of the flowers says, "Like come back up and like come back to life." And then over the next few days, most almost every single one of them had come back up and had become even more beautiful than when I was get when JJ gave them to me. They were just absolutely just beautiful and stunning. And I said, "Huh, isn't that funny, God?" And he goes, "Huh, do you think I'm telling you something?" I have conversations like that a lot. So here's what I felt like God was saying to me is there are areas in my own life that I have called dead that are not actually dead. There are things in my life that I have said, I can't do anything about this. I have tried to make it right. I have tried to have mercy. I have tried to not have fear and not worry about things. So instead of dealing with it, instead of going to the Spirit, what I have done is I have set them on the side and said, this is dead, and I can't fix this, and I can't do anything about this. And what God began to spoke to me and said is, I desire freedom for you, and things in your life that you have called dead are not actually dead, and here's what we're going to begin to do. So number one, in my life, he said, what you need is you need water, and this can represent God's presence in my life and in your life. If we want to begin to grow and we want to allow our spirit to be the captain and to be our guide in our life, we have to begin to have the presence of God with us and to dwell in that. And it's not enough to come to church on a Sunday morning and say, that was my fill for the week. That's enough to get me through. It's not enough. We need to begin to realize that we have to be desperate for his presence. We have to be desperate for his presence in order to live a life of freedom. The Israelites in the Bible, when, he, when they were wandering the desert, God gave them manna, but they couldn't live off of, there's like specific instructions, they couldn't live off of what God had given them yesterday, off of the bread that was provided yesterday. They had to get new manna each and every morning. And God is saying in this exact same way, we have to get his presence each and every morning because we can't live off of what he gave us yesterday. Number two is we need Light. This can represent God's truth. Sometimes God comes in and pierces the darkness with his truth. It is the thing that sets our imagination free. Is it not true? Our imagination is set free when God begins to real tr- reveal truth. Where is our truth? It's in our spirit. There is truth in our spirit and we must begin to listen to it. And sometimes it's convicting. Some of the things that God has told me in my life, I'm just so like, he shows me things about myself and I'm so convicted, but it is not in a way that goes, I'm never going to be good. It's always I want great for you, so I'm going to reveal this to you. We also have the Bible that is the best truth. It has truth filled with it. If you're struggling with something and you want to think what God really thinks about you, go to the Bible and find out because he speaks truth all over it to us all the time in every Bible story. From beginning to end, that Bible is filled with how much God loves you and the truth of that is in it all over the place. Number three is we need oxygen and we need air. This can represent the moving of stagnation. God wants to move you. Your spirit desires to guide you and to move you through this life. And so the things that I have said over here, the things that I put on the side that I've said, this isn't good. God goes, no, I want to Take things out. I had to take some of the flowers out. Otherwise, I was cramping them in. And sometimes God goes, I'm going to pull stuff out of you that isn't giving you any life and is cutting off the life to the rest of you. So he begins to move things and move it out and take it out. And God wants to do that for us. And we sometimes see it as we're getting ripped off. But instead, we should begin to see it as God is so gracious to us. God is so good and so loving to take things out that he doesn't want in us because he desires freedom above all else for us it all comes back to obedience to the spirit are we willing to obey what the spirit is calling us to because this is where freedom is found in the Bible, it says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And where is the spirit of the Lord? He's in me because I've accepted Christ into my life. So I have freedom in me at all times. It's saying I'm going to walk in this freedom. I'm going to step out of the bondage that I have walked in for so long in this area. And I'm going to step in and believe and speak truth in to the areas that I have called dead. And I have said I cannot do anything about this. I'm going to begin to give it God's presence and God's truth and the movement of God in those areas. So we get to the close of this message. And I just ask God, what do you want to do? How do you want to close the, this message? How do you want us to respond? And I felt like what God was saying is this, is we so often, like I was saying, is spend our time focused on ourselves. But we are called to declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to declare the praises of him. So there's this song. Our first song is called I Am. And it's not about us, but it's singing. It's about God singing to us. I am the bread. I am the life. I am hope. I am peace. It's all these things of who Christ is. So you can sit But my challenge to you is to stand because there is such a boldness and I ask of you to be bold. And what you do in this time. If If the Spirit is leading you to sit, then sit. But if the Spirit is leading you to stand and to raise your hands up as high as you can and to declare the praises of Him who has called you out of darkness, then be obedient to it. Be obedient to it. If it is coming and kneeling down at this altar and just laying your face down and saying, God, here is what you are, then do that. But I ask that you be obedient to what Christ is calling you to. Too. and we are not going to do communion and we don't have um, the crosses or uh, the candles this weekend and it's not because those things aren't good or anything like that but I felt like God what God was really saying is I want to bring my freedom, but in order to do that, I need the focus of my church. I need their attention. So my challenge to you is we have two songs. We have the I Am song and then we'll go into another song. My challenge is to seek Him, and to begin to replace your I am thoughts with He is. And for 10 minutes, lay yourself aside and seek Him, and you will be amazed with what happens in your own life. You will be amazed at how God's presence will wash over you, and your spirit will begin to speak life into your mind and into your body. I believe God wants to heal people, and He wants to set people free in this time. So, Father, God, I thank you. I thank you that you live inside of me and I thank you for the freedom that you have already given me. God, I pray for the people in this room, God, that they would experience freedom, that maybe there are some in this room who have been told over and over and over, just get over it, just get over it. Why are you still struggling this? And they begin to tell themselves that I'm not good and I'm never gonna get out of my bondage and I'm never gonna get set free because this is who I am. I am simply a sinner and I can't get past it. But today, here's what God says to you your spirit is made whole and your spirit is made perfect and he wants to reveal truth to you today and you are never too much and your burdens are never too much to bring to him it's never too much and he's never tired of us coming and saying i've messed up again i'm still struggling with this even if it's been years god doesn't tire of us But here's what he says. Take my yoke upon you, for it is light. And I believe God wants to lift the weight off of this room right now. The heaviness off of people, off the shoulders. I feel it lifting. I begin to see just God speaking truth into people's lives in this moment. God, I speak freedom over people. I ask that we would come together as one mind and as one soul and as one body and as one spirit to seek you in this moment. We thank you, God, for everything you're going to do. And I ask that not anything would be stolen from people, the truth that you've spoken when they walk out of this room. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.